Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning and thanks for joining us on The Breakfast Huddle. Bharati Jagdish and Ryan Huang with you. It is the start of the month and time to look back at some of the highlights in the news as well as look ahead at what's in store. What did matter in the month of October? Who were the winners and losers? And joining us to dissect all of this is David Kuo, co-founder of The Smart Investor. Good morning, David. Good, good morning, Bharati. How are you? Uh, doing good. I can hear the laughter and joy in your voice. What's making you so happy? Uh, well, it's November. It's my birthday month. So <laughs> well, why should I not be happy, yes? Hint, hint, is it? Now we have to go and buy you a birthday <laughs> gift in addition to a Christmas gift as well. Well, I tell you what, you know, uh, there is a restaurant that I go to <laughs> and on your birthday month, you get a 20% discount on every meal that you have there. So I will be going to that particular restaurant quite frequently during my birthday month. Yes. Excellent. Any, Excellent. Anything to save money. Anything to save money. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that is sort of reflective of the zeitgeist now, right? Anything to save money. As is customary, though, let's first go around the room. What stood out for each of you in the month of October? Ryan first? Yeah, I would go with... Facebook starting the Metaverse, or at least rebranding to be on called Meta. Mm. And of course, it's where you will in future become part of this digital world and you can do everything virtually, have different clothes every day, but different person every day. So it's <laughs> going to be a new normal of sorts. I thought you were about to say have a different wife or girlfriend every I don't know. day. So. No, how people have different email accounts. You know, yeah. It's the same way how you can be a different person every day. Oh, it sounds like a great thing. My only worry is that you'll forget to get out of it just to come to work. You know, So, so yeah. we'll see. That, that's about <laughs> 10 to 15 years away anyway, right? The how about you, In my case, it's something more modest. The launch of Apple's new MacBook Pro models in October. Because this is very personal for me, the MacBook Pro that I currently use, I've had since 2014. I've made it last, I've souped it up every now and then, mostly because I did not like the newer models. They didn't have the ports, mm. the SD card slots, MagSafe charging, they didn't have any HDMI ports. And I'm glad that Apple has actually now listened to consumers and said these new MacBook Pros okay. will have those features again. So I am about to launch my search for the best price and the best deal to get my hands on the new MacBook Pro. I can Pros. see you're part of the Appleverse. Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> I am still stuck in the Appleverse. I'll join you in the Metaverse at some point, I'm sure, with my Apple in tow. But mostly I think it's really good on Apple. Not many businesses or organizations in general would admit that, you know, what we did wasn't right. So we're restoring some of the old stuff. So I'm glad that they They've made a U-turn of sorts. How about you, David? What's the highlight for you for October? Oh, well, it's got to be William Shatner going into space. Ah, Captain Kirk. ah that's Captain fun. What? Mm -mm. A 90-year-old going into space. Can you imagine that? That could um, be you one day. It makes me feel like a spring chicken, really, to actually, to actually see William Shatner going into space. There's something to look forward to when I reach 90. Yeah, it's called going oldly into space rather than going boldly into space. <laughs> Very good. Very good. But, but you know, there were some, there were some detractors, weren't there? There were some people who were saying that these companies need to fix what is wrong on Earth before they start looking at going into space and other planets and destroying other planets. So 
I, I kind of agree with them that we have a lot of problems here on Earth that need fixing. So why are they spending all this money sending William Shatner up into space? Mm, mm, mm. So in spite of the fact that you feel that way, you do feel it is a highlight, right? Nevertheless? Oh, yeah, I do. Because, I mean, it is something for oldies like me to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. And also to consider the various repercussions that you mentioned as well, the larger Precisely. issues there. Yeah. yeah, talking about new worlds to get into. Facebook, of course, rebranding itself to become called Meta. I'm wondering, David, from your investor perspective, how much will this do towards fixing some of the negativity and baggage from previous scandals and all those PR setbacks it's had in the past few years? None whatsoever, Ryan. I, I have the feeling that the reason why people change names is, number one, uh, particularly women, when they get married, they change names because they take on their husband's surname in most cases. Mm, yeah, so, fewer of so, those now. Fewer cases mm-hmm. of those now. Fewer yes. cases of those. I, I totally agree with you, Bharati. But uh, in the past, uh, they, they used to change their names. Mm-hmm. So that is one reason. So when a company merges with another, they change their names. The other reason why people change their names is because they have something they were ashamed of in the past. So mm-hmm. if, I were, if I were to come onto your show next month and call myself Frank Lee rather than David Grove, <laughs> it's probably because I want to forget about everything that I've done bad in the past. And I think this is more the case with Facebook. The name Facebook really is tarnished and they need to change their name to something else. But having said that, it doesn't really sort of change the management. And uh, I'm not a great Facebook fan. I don't like some of the things that they've done in the past. And I just sometimes think if you take a raisin and you roll it in mud, you end up with mud, right? So just because you have something great in artificial intelligence, in the metaverse, in AI, you have something good like that and you give it to Facebook, they're going to ruin it. That's why I can't find you on Facebook, David. Are you going to be part of Metaverse? And no, definitely not. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really, you know, that, that kind of guy. I, I'm, I'm fairly private. I go on Twitter once in a while. I say something, but that's about it. I'm not really sort of that, that keen on opening myself up to other people like that. Ah, okay. So you would more likely go into space, maybe on your own or with William Shatner, if he's still alive then? To only go where others appear <laughs> to tread. You're quite right. The, the thing is, David, while you say that Facebook's reputation has been tarnished and whether or not this branding exercise works is in question here, some have pointed out that, look, money talks. If users yeah. use the metaverse, if users continue using Facebook to some extent, profits over people. Investors, too, will choose profits over people. What do you have to say to that? That it'll actually well, I, still work out for them. Well, I can't disagree with you there. As long as people keep on using Facebook, then, of course, there will be a demand for that service. But from what I seem to gather is that a lot of the younger people these days are turning away from Facebook. And whereas Facebook was really sort of designed to get young people to congregate together and share information, share stories, I think simply because their parents are now on Facebook, that they are less likely to go on Facebook. I I don't know how true that is, but I think there is some evidence of that. And I've I've always said, I don't know if you remember a company a long time ago, but it still exists today, it's called Superdrive. And it was really sort of for edgy young kids who wanted to buy something that was different. And people asked me what I thought about Superdry. And I said, the day you see me wearing Superdry is the day that Superdry will end because it means that the young people don't want to be wearing the same clothes as their parents. And sure enough, one day when I was in the UK, I saw an older gentleman wearing Superdry stuff. And I said, well, that is the day when Superdry will probably no longer become popular with young people. And I think there is some truth in that. But young people don't want to be in the same place as their parents. 
Yeah, David, talk about the UK. That's where the action is right now. We've just wrapped up G20 and the global leaders hit into COP26. We had a bit of an endorsement around the global corporate tax deal, a bit of pledge for more vaccines for the poor. What are you watching out for from COP26 that might be worth putting on the radar for investors, David? Okay, I think I think as far as the G20 was concerned, I think the, the tax rate was pretty well flagged anyway. But I think what was really sort of quite worrying about the G20 taking it into COP26 is that they don't seem to be getting much of an agreement moment on global warming. All they've actually sort of said at the moment is that, sure, we're going to be reducing the amount of investments that we want to put into coal, which is great, but I don't think it is going to be enough. And I think when they go into COP26, they're going to find that it is going to be very difficult to bang all those heads together for all of them to come to some kind of agreement that the world is warming up and the time is now to do something about it rather than to wait until it becomes too late and then it becomes impossible to try and reverse all the damage that's been done on this earth. Mm. And speaking of that, I mean, with COP26 underway, with environmental issues very much on the radar of investors and businesses right now as they incorporate ESG into their business setup, how much attention are you paying to ESG in your portfolio? I don't think you can ignore what is going on in the ESG space. And I think people need to be very mindful of that. But there was something that you mentioned just a few minutes ago, Bharati, and that is that money talks. Now, uh, you can't afford to ditch all your investments at the moment simply because of ESG. So you have to keep on sort of be, be very mindful of the fact that on the one hand, you still need returns from your investment. But on the other hand, you need to be also very mindful about what is going on in the world. So what I am doing is to gradually trying to sort of get rid of some of those companies that I've invested in are the ones that are probably not as clean as they they, they, they would like to be then move into the ones that are cleaner. And I think you're going to do that anyway, simply because all the ones that are what I would call in inverted commas dirty companies, I think those companies are going to sort of go by the wayside. So you have to actually transition whether you like it or not. Now, David, talking about investing for the future, this is where Malaysia comes in. They've just unveiled their budget is the biggest ever at around 332 billion ringgit. That's around 108 billion sing dollars. And a couple of things we are looking at in terms of highlights. One of them is what's being dubbed the windfall tax or some people call it a prosperity tax. And this is where pretty much you get tax 24% for the first $100 million or ringgit or 33% above that. So pretty much taxing those who can afford to pay it because they made money and helping to beef up the war chests for COVID-19. What do you think of this? Is this effective in terms of a tax program? I think so. We're all in this together, Ryan. I mean, everybody's got to pay for COVID-19. So uh, we know that there were a lot of people, a lot of companies that have been very badly disadvantaged by COVID-19. The workers couldn't go to work. Consequently, the companies couldn't operate. So those companies do need to be uh, helped in some way. And this is where the government came in with their subsidies, with their wage subsidies, with their rent subsidies, mm-hmm. trying to help these companies. We can't afford to have these companies go to the wall just because of COVID-19, because when we recover, we're going to need their services again. So it is right that those companies that have benefited from COVID-19, and I'm looking at some of the rubber glove makers over in Malaysia, that made a huge amount of money by exporting their PPE equipment to countries like America, to Europe and the rest of the world. And they've made lots of money. And as a result of that, they should be taxed higher because you, you can't just say, I made money out of COVID-19 and I'm going to keep all of it. 
sorry, you have to sort of share it with other people. Still in Malaysia, David, Malaysia's publicly traded firms apparently must have at least one woman director on their boards from next year, all about board diversity. What do you think of this ruling? Is making such a thing mandatory really the right move? Won't it just lead to token appointments? No, not really. Not enough women on the board of directors. I mean, not at least one. I would say at least five. I think you need more women on the board of directors. As an investor, I've been following in the past very closely how women invest and how men invest. And believe it or not, women are better investors than men. <laughs> uh, simply be- mm. no, it's true. No, no, women no, 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 are- no. I'm not laughing at you. I'm just saying, <laughs> great. I'm so glad that you've acknowledged this as well, you know, because I've been reading a lot of reports on this more so lately. And I'm glad that you're acknowledging it on air, not laughing at you. Yeah. No, no, no. no. I, I, I know you're not laughing, but the point is, it yeah. is true. Women are better investors than men. Simply because women, women's brains are wired differently to men. And consequently, they tend to be slightly less aggressive when they invest. And I think we really want some less aggressive people on board of directors. And don't just simply go chasing profits. Look at the rest of the organization. Look at the people in the organization. Be a little bit more caring. Because what you don't really want to do is to have an organization that is just solely fixated on how much profit we can make and then forget about the people that allow you to make that kind of profit. So it is right that we have more women on the board of directors, and I think one is not enough. David, China, let's go to China now. Its factory activity contracted for a second straight month in October. We saw electricity shortages, soaring commodity prices, continuing to weigh on manufacturers. What do you make of all this? How is it expected to unfurl? Well, I think they're being, being, being affected by supply chain problems. They've been affected by COVID-19, just like any other country in the world. And they are trying to open up their economy again. But every time they try and do that, you end up with a flare-up in, in COVID-19 somewhere and have to sort of lock down again. So I think it's going to be a very gradual process for China to reopen its economy. It's going to take a long time for, for it to happen. And in the meantime, you're going to get sort of uh, stories about uh, electricity shortages, energy shortages, supply chain problems. Uh, but I think we just have to be patient. And we, we, we've been in COVID-19 for almost 24 months now. Mm-hmm. And so and so, if, if you've been ill in bed for 24 months, I think it's going to take you a little while before you uh, rehabilitate yourself until they get out of bed and then slowly resume life. And I think it's the same with economies. No different to that at all. If you've been in bed for two years because you were ill, you're not going to jump up the next day and start to do the marathon. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take a while. Now, David, if you look at what's happening in the US, it looks like a bit of a different story there when it comes to the economy. And this is where the FOMC is going to be meeting this week on what it needs to do next. And it looks like everyone's pointing at tapering. So what does this mean for investors? Well, I think uh, investors need to accept the fact that interest rates cannot remain this low. Investors need to remember that the Federal Reserve cannot just keep on pumping umpteen billions of dollars into the uh, U.S. economy. It is looking like the U.S. economy is recovering. And so, therefore, it is time that the Federal Reserve starts to take away some of that stimulus. I mean, it's called uh, removing the punch bowl. But I think in this case, the Federal Reserve isn't going to remove the punch bowl completely. What it's going to do is to put less alcohol in the punch slowly (laughs) over time. And so, therefore, there will still be plenty of punch there. So there's no need to go rushing out and getting your cups and filling it up with whatever punch is in the bowl. 
uh, they're, they're still going to be able to pump money into the economy, but that amount of money will be reduced slowly. That doesn't mean that the, the, the market isn't going to throw a tantrum when they hear that the Federal Reserve will be reducing it. But I don't think they're going to be increasing interest rates anytime soon because the economy, the U.S. economy, the global economy still needs relatively low interest rates. But the amount of money that is going in, you cannot keep on pumping that amount of money in forever. And I think the Federal Reserve is going to wake up to the fact that it is time that they start to take off. Yeah, David, it looks like the party is still going on for stock markets. Just on Friday, we've got record highs yet again for Wall Street. And looking back at October, we've got the indexes up nearly 8% for the NASDAQ at least. The S&P 500 up nearly 7%. The Dow was up nearly 6%. And back home in Singapore, STI was up. 3.6%. So let's take a look at some of the top movers there. In terms of winners, we've got Jardin, Second Carriage up 16.7%. Hong Kong Land up 16%. Samcorp Industries up around 10%. What's going on here for the Jardin Group of Companies? Well, I've got two of those Jardin Group Companies. And if you look a little bit further down, you've also got Jardin Marketing. So it's probably worthwhile talking about the three Jardin Groups. The first one, Jardin Cycle and Carriage. It's primarily because one of their subsidiaries, uh, one of their main investments in Indonesia, PT Astra, that has reported reasonably good results. And it is primarily, again, because of the opening up of the Indonesian economy. Uh, they are going to start recovering. Commodity prices are quite good. So that is the reason why Jardine Cycle and Carriage is doing well. And then if you have a look at the other two companies, Hong Kong Land and uh, Jardine Matheson, the reason why they're doing well is because the company is saying we're buying back our shares. So even though the investors were a little reticent in buying Hong Kong land and also Jardine Matheson in the past, the company says we're doing okay, we've got plenty of cash, we're making profits, and so we're going to be buying back those shares. And that was the uh, pri- primary reason why uh, Hong Kong land and also Jardine Matheson's shares went up so significantly. But in terms of Semco Industries, they're transitioning from what they call brown investments, brown energy, into green investments. And so I think the market is quite uh, liking that story, that a company such as Sencor Industries, which we previously uh, used to connect with the oil and gas industry, they're moving into clean energy, they're moving into solar, they're moving into wind. And I think investors are looking for investments that they can put their money into that is associated with something clean rather than something that was relatively dirty in the past. And just to wrap things up, David, top losers, we've got right at the bottom, Capital DC Reed down 3%, Maple Tree Industrial Trust around 2.5% down, and Maple, Logis- Maple Tree Logistics Trust down 0.5%. What's happening for the REITs here? Uh, it's called profit-taking, Brian. You know, a lot of people out there have made some good money out of uh, Capital Data Center, out of Maple Tree uh, Industrial Trust and Maple Tree Logistics, and they're saying that, hey, you know, we had a pretty good run. It's time to take some money off the table, put it in our pockets, and hopefully sort of spend it out in the economy. But Maple Tree Logistics probably has some problems with future supply chain problems that we referred to. We talked about what was going on in China. So Mm -hmm. people think there may be enough money, time to go. All right. Thank you very much for that, David. David Kuo, co-founder of The Smart Investor, thanks for joining us to share your insights into October's winners and losers and the road ahead. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. 
Available on Google Play or the App Store.